like Brent Laurie and I bet I could watch you spread your air out all day. But when you're done doing whatever, when you're through playing whoever, you know that the Nats fans will be right here with you. Lefty relievers below replacement. Hi everyone, welcome to Rusting Pitch Face, episode 53. I'm Kay. I'm Laura. And I'm Sydney. Please check us out on our website, rustingpitchface.com. That has links to all of the important information. But if you want to go straight to the important information, you can check us out on our Twitter, which is Resting Pitch Face with no G. Um, we also now have a Teespring store in addition to our Zazzle store, which I know it's not Pride Month anymore, but does still f- feature our Prideified logo. That it, Those are still available. They are available for the foreseeable future and a a quarter of the uh, proceeds from those shirts will be donated to smile. There are links to that on our website, on our website. You can always email us directly at rustingpitchbase at gmail.com. So we've got sort of like two opposing forces, I guess, to talk about in, uh, in baseball at the moment, because there's been a lot of stuff happening with the Nats that we're going to get to in our, in our back half. But there's also for once, been a ton of stuff happening in the world of women in baseball, women's baseball, women participating in baseball on every level. And um, I think you guys have a little bit more to say about that because you have more facts. <laughs> <laughs> we, we do have a lot of facts. Yeah, facts are cool. It was Women in Baseball Week in late July. We're just a little late. <laughs> we're, you know, we're recording a little bit late, whatever. It's always Women in Baseball Week here. That's the thing. That is very true. Um, so like Pride Month, which is every month, but especially June, every week is uh, is Women in Baseball Week, uh, but especially a week in July. So this year, uh, something a little bit different. Um, so Baseball Prospectus decided to do, like, kind of do it up. Um, so a big push for, um, women in baseball, women and non-cis men writing about women in baseball, uh, for a, a solid week. Um, so this had features, uh, including one, uh, by Laura that we'll talk about, um, as well as they're rolling out, finally, their, uh, site for the 2018 Women's Baseball World Cup. That was their, uh, pitch and hit tracking stats and data visualization site, which is awesome. And if you haven't spent time exploring it, if you haven't kind of played around with all of the the really cool stuff, um, they're doing with data, uh, that is both useful to like us as fans, but also useful to the actual players, uh, to help them in terms of understanding their own and each other's play. Uh, it is really cool, um, and check it out because it has a lot of information that you literally cannot find any, any other place on the internet. And you wrote a whole recap based on some of those stats, basically giving people a little bit of emotional context in terms of what were the most exciting games from the Women's Baseball World Cup and what some of these stats could tell us about those. That was a really great read. Do you want to tell us about that? Sure. Um, So I wrote a feature um, that was basically like, why watch the Women's Baseball World Cup? Because it is fun. And I talk about this a little bit in the piece. It it bothers me that some of the tenor in talking about any women's sport, but particularly women's baseball, just because that's the women's sport I tend to talk about the most, um, that it really thrives on comparison of, you know, is this good? Are they, are they, you know, how are they compared to, in this case, you know, men's baseball players, um, MLB players, etc. And I wanted to just kind of ap- appreciate how awesome the Women's Baseball World Cup was to watch on its own merits. So I really focused on um, two players and then a team. So the two players being uh, Ayami Sato and Megan Baltzell, who I think we've talked about extensively, extensively before. Why is everybody looking at me? Yeah, which is amazing because we're not on like a video chat, so... And yet I can feel all of you looking at me. Spiritually, spiritually, our eyes have turned towards you. (laughs) Yes. Um, So it was about um, Sato, who is a pitcher for Team Japan, uh, who plays professionally in Japan um, and just is 
the best pitcher in women's baseball on earth, and I think fairly uncontestedly, um, and just how good her curveball is, um, as well as Megan Baltzell, who we've talked about, who can hit for all the power, and she's on Team USA, and then La- and and both Sato and um, Baltzell have pretty in-depth data visualization and stats uh, displayed on the the baseball perspective site. So it's really cool to kind of check out and see, wow, like Sato's batting average against on her curveball against uh, righties is literal zero, literal zero, you know, stuff like that. Uh, And then lastly, I wanted to focus on the stats that don't exist on the site. So um, a lot of the fielding stats uh, are not really on the site, and what the WBWC official site has is fairly incomplete, even for fielding stats, which are, by their nature, kind of incomplete. Um, and I wanted to focus on Team Venezuela, who I think I've talked about the U.S.-Venezuela game before on here as a great starter game, um, but really kind of focusing on three amazing defensive plays by Team Venezuela. Um, one of which was beautiful in that it looked very effortless, and one of which was beautiful in that it looked like it required a lot of effort and falling down. But like, just really great, great stuff um, to to watch and giving people, I guess, a place to get started if they're interested um, and don't really know where to begin when there's hours and hours of of game footage. Um, and Laura, did you want to talk about uh, your Tony Stone review? Yeah. So I wrote. Also, for Baseball Perspectives, Women in Baseball Week, a fairly similar piece to what I actually had talked about on the podcast. So there's some new stuff over there, but if you listened to our previous episode where I talked about it, some of it will be a little bit familiar. But it was great to get the opportunity to write about the play for a written audience, for a slightly different audience than we necessarily get here. Um, And so I talked about basically um, why I thought the Tony Stone play was amazing and important and also the things that I would have liked it to do a little bit better. Um, And I mentioned the productions upcoming in DC and in San Francisco. And I actually was incredibly flattered when Martha Ackman, who wrote the biography that the play was based on, tweeted that my review was her favorite that she read. That was so awesome. awesome. All the Tony Stone reviews. And this woman has written, in addition to the Tony Stone biography, one of my other favorite um, historical women biographies, and that was about the Mercury 13, the women who went through the astronaut testing uh, before getting shut down by Congress. So this is like one of my personal badass women in history heroes, and she liked my review, so that was pretty cool. So hey, Martha Ackman wants you to go read it. <laughs> it's endorsed, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But anyway, so if you missed our last episode, um, if you wanted to know what I thought of the Tony Stone play, or if you just wanted to hear some more about it, in addition to what you heard on the last episode, um, you can find that on the Baseball Perspectives site. Um, and we mentioned the the two features that we wrote, but there's a ton of other features. It was a lot. It was awesome. It was a lot, uh, for sure. So there's um, a profile of Tony Stone um, that Ginny Searle, or certainly, I apologize, Ginny, I've only seen her name in writing, wrote. uh, There were interviews um, with women who work in baseball. There were interviews with um, WBWC players that uh, Jen Ramos did, um, with them kind of reacting to having their stats available. There was a, a discussion about like pitch development that Beth Werner wrote. Um, I'm I'm just like there's there is a ton of ton of stuff, um, and a little bit more that was actually published after Women in Baseball Week because that's kind of how much there was. Um, so it's all worth like reading and responding to, um, you know, leave a comment if you love it, leave a comment if you have questions, if you hate it, go kick rocks, <laughs> you know, and just like, it was really great to see um, the the variety of writing that could take form if given basically the opportunity um, and the request for that kind of writing. And it's one I hope that continues in non-women in baseball week. Um, Hopefully this is a demonstration of what is out there and is available if people would just, you know, give it a chance. So hopefully it is a jumping off point. For sure. And I think I think Baseball Prospectus certainly knows how much we 
care about this kind of coverage. But if you really care about this kind of coverage and you have the opportunity to let them know and to let other publications know in the way that you interact with them on websites and social media, please do take the opportunity because it does make a big difference. Yes. And because I know that he listens to this podcast sometimes, tweet at Craig and tell Craig, hey, we dug it. Craig Goldstein. And I do have a question more on the sort of archival side of things for people who are now coming to this, you know, a month late. Is this all collected on uh, the BP site sort of under its own tag or side page or like tab? Like, is this all collected somewhere? Or if, if now that you're coming to this um, after the fact, if you have to kind of go through and find it? Yeah, so they did collect it. Um, the BP site's uh, search and collection functions are not super great on their own um but they did collect it and uh tweeted it out from the main bp account there is a way to pull it up on the website by the tag i don't know if it's perfect um but there's baseballperspectives.com slash tag slash women in baseball 2019 looks like it has at least most of what we're talking about so that's good that's a helpful place to to go to find stuff yeah, and we can link to that as well. But definitely there are some good Twitter threads collecting it that I know have been on our Twitter feed, but I can also bump them again for people who are looking. Yeah, and I want to say the BP account also uh, has tweeted out a bunch of stuff. I also know that if you tweet at them and say, hey, I can't find a thing, they will help you find a thing. So um, be helped in finding a thing and then find that thing and then read that thing and then love that thing. Um, and then... Uh... There might have been some of this coming up during Women in Baseball Week, but just sort of in the wider world of women's baseball, there were a couple championships that are worth talking about. Or tournaments, not championships, but you know what I'm saying. Laura, because you have it brought up in, um, I believe, a language that none of us speak. (laughs) Okay, I found it in English. All right, we don't have to rehash this. Lara discovered that news about the women's, uh, the women's baseball team for France was written in French. Well, they tweeted it in English, and I was following that back, and then everything else was in French, so I got a little bit stuck. Was it in French or French? <laughs> right, look, I was very surprised. We don't have to make fun of the fact that my vowels get a little wonky. <laughs> I mean, I apparently said I apparently said French instead of French when we were talking about this before the episode started, and these guys are literally never going to let me hear the end of it, so. Oh, nope. God, no. Oh, God, no. You're going to write it on your tombstone, Laura. Oh, yeah. No, this is... is... Here lies Laura. She doesn't speak French. What is a legacy, Laura? (laughs) (laughs) This was the first European Women's Baseball Conference championship, and uh, they seem to have had three teams, the Netherlands, the Czech Republic, and France. And France hosted, and France won. And what is exciting about this is that, well, A, this is a new tournament, so that's exciting on its own. But also, B, France is now going to be playing in the next Women's Baseball World Cup for the first time. They have not participated in the past. So any time that we're seeing growth of the game in new countries for women's baseball is always extremely exciting. Um, And they haven't announced where the Women's Baseball World Cup is going to be. Yeah, I haven't seen anything yet about where it's going to be. It's next year, right? It's every two years? It's I always year. keep bad track it's of it. It's 2020. Okay. Uh, you'd, you'd think they should know by now, considering the logistics aspect of it. Yeah. One thing that I'm curious... Well, yes. I'm not surprised, though, given everything. I mean, Sid, I think you said the European Championship was announced on the 31st and played on the 31st? Yeah, I mean, I, I've been traveling for the past couple of weeks, and then I had a, a thing for work that kind of occupied a lot of my time prior to that. So I have been off Twitter for many reasons, but my own Saturday being one of them. Um, so the first I saw of it was um, on the 31st, but it's possible they announced it earlier, but I, I have not seen it. Yeah, I mean, I follow women's baseball news fairly closely, and I don't remember seeing anything about it until it was already being played, but that doesn't mean that it wasn't being advertised in what language again? French. (laughs) French. It may have been advertised in French. Um, The other thing that I'm wondering, by the way, since France is going to be participating, do you guys remember Melissa Mayu, who was the first woman on the international? Yeah. So she had switched to softball to go to college in Miami. Um, 
but I'm wondering whether she would be interested in playing for France if they're going to be in the Women's Baseball World Cup. I will keep an eye out. I thought I saw that she was. Oh, yeah? Okay. Um, yeah, the, the Women's Baseball sites are actually pretty good about putting up stats and actually pretty good about putting up live streams. But I feel like it's always after when I want it to be to plan around things like time differences. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I, I feel like if I can request something for the WBWC for next year, it's like do a little bit more marketing because your product is good. Um, and you certainly have a lot of people and by people, I mean, all of the women who helped in women in baseball week, um, for instance, uh, oh, let me revise that all of the non-cis men who helped in women in baseball week, um, who will help get the word out once it's put out there, but we all need a little bit more advanced notice. I know we have, we have the location for next year's baseball for all nationals, but we don't have the location for next year's women's baseball world cup. But then in terms of a tournament that seems like perhaps it was a little bit more advertised or marketed, although that might just be because of the people that we all follow. Yeah. So baseball for all nationals was this weekend. Um, and so this was their fifth tournament. Um, for those of you somehow not aware yet, in spite of listening to us, um, baseball for all is the organization run by Justine Siegel, um, who is one of women's and girls baseball's biggest advocates in the U.S. Um, and so this was the fifth Baseball for All Nationals. They have been holding them in Rockford, Illinois, at the stadium that the Peaches played in. Um, and so this year, D.C. Girls Baseball was once again in attendance. Um, they were participating in the 11U, 13U, and 18U categories. And I had a chance to chat a bit before we recorded with our friend Ava, who's one of their coaches, as well as players Paloma and Sophie from the 18U squad. Um, so this was our first year actually having an 18U team. And the reason for that is that they don't really have an 18U team. They have a 15U team that decided to play up so that they could play on a full-size field. Um, only one of those players was actually over 15. So this was a squad of girls who had won in the 15U category in 2018 and the 13U category in 2017, who was playing in the 18U category in spite of being quite young for that category. So that was a very gutsy move on their part. And you said they finished fourth, right? Yes. So it was a pretty dramatic championship. Um, so the 11U squad also came in fourth. 13U didn't end up placing, but they seemed to have a great time. If you check them out on Instagram, they're all smiles in spite of the fact that they got a little bit clobbered. Um, but <laughs> it seems like they still had a really great time. Um, but then, yeah, the 18U squad ended up winning their first game, then losing two in a row that were really, really close. Um, they ultimately played three games in a day. Wow. Yeah. Wow going into the medal round and so they were playing for bronze um they were in that third fourth place game um after the so the the game to go into that they beat the fourth seed which is the la monarchs um and paloma threw a complete game three hitter um and then finally they were going into their last game and they um had now played like a gazillion innings since 7 a.m. that day. Um, and of course, went into extras. So we're talking like playing like 30 innings in a single day kind of situation. It was a lot. I think they were playing seven inning games in this tournament. And the younger girls, the younger girls were playing six innings just because otherwise none of this would be remotely possible. Yeah. So, of course, just to make this as dramatic as possible, they were tied going into extras and down two of their bats um so unfortunately they ultimately got walked off um and lost 11 to 10 but you know it was a game that took three hours and 24 minutes according to ava and they battled it out until the very last second so i mean it sounds like it was a pretty amazing experience um i talked to um 
Paloma and Sophie both as well about how they felt that the experience went. Um, they both sounded pretty tired. They were on their way to drive back 11 hours to get home. Um, so I talked to Paloma, who said her head hurt, but she was feeling okay. Um, and she feels that this is a really great tournament with a really great environment, and particularly everybody that you're with is so supportive, um, including the teams that you're playing against, that she really, really likes that. Um, and she also feels that the competition there is getting exponentially better. And so that, you know, it means that it's tough for our for our girls. Obviously, we want them to win, but we also want the level of girls baseball and women's baseball to be rising around the country. And it sounds like it really is. This was also the biggest tournament so far by quite a lot. So more players, better players, greater competition. Um, and Sophie agreed. She said that in that last game, she has never been more proud to be part of a baseball team. And that they all really came together and showed a lot of grit uh, just to see who was willing to fight for it longer and which team was going to tough it out longer, even though they were all pretty much out of pitching by then. It sounds like it was a really awesome experience for all of them and that even though they did not repeat as champions, they were really playing above their age bracket and came out of it having learned a lot. And they're going to go back for next year because this team is still going to be in 18U for some time, it sounds like. And then, yeah, the younger girls, it sounds like, are all getting a lot better every year as well. The younger teams that they're able to field have just been getting better every year. So it's very exciting. And next year, Baseball for All Nationals is actually going to be in Maryland. Ooh, really? Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, so they're going to be, I believe, in Aberdeen. That's manageable. Okay. We could do that. Yeah. 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 So that's pretty much what I said. Um, the the so... Amtrak goes there. <laughs> Um, so it'll be it'll be great for the DC Force to be the home team, so to speak. Um, although they do have, um, there's a Maryland team, I believe, um, and then of course Boston and New York both have teams. It's it's very coastal. There were a couple of teams from Illinois, but a lot of teams were like San Francisco, New York. Um, so I think that's interesting that even though the tournament was in Illinois, that they were still primarily getting teams from the coasts. And I'm curious as the game continues to grow, how that might change. I mean, just they just need more. There need to be more opportunities. We're seeing this in real time. Providing opportunities creates more players and better quality of talent. And just you know, I would love to see them get to a point where like they're not just happy to be there and be around other girls playing baseball, but to be like, like I'm not happy unless it's mine. Like a, like a real like a, not like a real tournament, but you know what I'm saying. Like they have an opportunity. Like they, they, like they are allowed to just be competitive and not have to be like, I'm just so happy. I mean, I'm sure it's really nice, but like, not just, it's so nice to be playing baseball with girls. You know what I mean? It's definitely a real tournament, but yes. yeah. I mean, I, I kind of, I would love to see this on like an ESPN. Um, like, the, no, the Little League World Series is on ESPN. Like it would cost, like ESPN has 15,000 channels um and it it was great that they they had the um the softball world series on there earlier this year um which was great and i caught some of it and was super fun but it's a different game the college or the little league uh the college one yeah the college one they've been broadcasting for a while and it's really fun but yeah it's as we say many times a different sport it's a different sport but you know like what are they putting on el ocho like you know i this is one thing where it would cost ESPN very little, but they also don't cover the um, Women's Baseball World Cup either. Nobody did. No TV network did. More media coverage, um, I think, would also help to to elevate this as not just, as Kay said, you know, something where, where they have to talk about how grateful they are to play with girls all the time, which they all are, but also, you know, something that is treated on par with how the Little League World Series is treated. And yeah, the the other thing I will say, I know that they are grateful to be playing with girls um, because this is still a regular occurrence that uh, most of them play on boys teams. And a lot of the time they have to forfeit games because like the parents or coaches of the other team won't let their, their uh, male players play against them. And, like, that's still a fairly regular thing. Um, and so I know that, like, 
in part, it's so grateful to be playing in a supportive atmosphere, but also in part rolling into a tournament knowing you can play all of the games with relatively little drama. Um, and it's sad that that's a... That that's not a given? That that's not a given, yeah. But it definitely still still happens, uh, apparently, pretty regularly. About attitudes, I just do not get. I mean, I don't get any of this, but that one seems particularly, like, mind-boggling. Um, yeah, one of the pieces that I really enjoyed that was written for um, uh, Women in Baseball Week was by uh, Spring Marie Cullen, um, on her experience playing uh, Little League uh, on a boys team. Um, and I actually, uh, there's a pretty salient quote in there that I wanted to, to share. It's a really great piece. You know, you, do you know who gets angry about a girl playing alongside boys? It's not the other kids. It's the parents. To make matters worse, I was good. Like, really good. Better than the majority of my teammates. And that made some middle-aged men very upset. Um, and it's basically about middle-aged guys, including her own coach, messing with her um, as she was playing on a boys' team. Middle-aged men are incredibly fragile. I, we don't. You don't even have to qualify it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, but like it's a certain breed of it's a specific breed of fragility. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah, uh, agreed. Um, but I just also wanted to recommend yeah. the piece given the, the sort of context for the for baseball for all nationals. Well, um, hopefully, I mean, this tournament really seems like it's it's going places and and actually, may, as I said before, like making change in real time or we're seeing the change in real time. And so maybe we're, maybe, I don't want to say maybe it's not that far off, but maybe it's not as far off as it used to feel. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this was the fifth year of the tournament. Paloma was saying she's been in four of the five and literally just going to them year after year, you feel the difference she was saying. So that's pretty awesome. Put it on ESPN. I know. And I'm regretting now, you know, I, when I lived in Boston proper, it was before I knew about the Boston Slammers and they had an amazing run during this tournament. And I really wish I had gone to see them when I actually lived really close to them so yeah i mean at this point i'm more likely to make a field trip to see the dc force but um actually speaking of field trips so the eastern women's baseball conference um is having their championships in the dc area uh in a couple of weeks um so yeah it's they're playing at i believe mclean high school um, this is all on the website, and we can we can link to it. The championship is across two week two weekends, and I believe it's the seventeenth and twenty fourth um, of August, and we'll verify that in just a second. Um, but yeah, if you wanna if you wanna see some women's baseball and don't feel like driving to Illinois, which why should you? Um, you should come out uh, and and cheer, and I believe I will be going to that. Nice. Um, a little further out, so we'll revisit this, but another D.C. local tournament, um, the D.C. Force is hosting a tournament in October. Um, so, can you hear me? Um, so, we're a little far out. They don't have a ton of details other than it's October 5th and 6th, 6th. But once we get closer, we can update you guys about that as well. Plenty of opportunities, it seems, to see girls and women's baseball in the D.C. area. Can I revise? Sorry. It's the 17th and 20, August 17th and 25th yeah so it's a saturday and then a sunday at uh bachman stadium in bernie maryland and then mclean high school uh as well and it's all on the website if folks want to check it out which is easternwomensbaseball.org um so obviously this is a lot of really good stuff going on in in women's baseball and and women participating in the field of baseball in multiple different levels um but we are going to talk about the Nats at some point first i do have one last thing to say though and i am going to keep this short because i cannot believe i'm about to say something nice about the philadelphia phillies uh they're apparently having a fight about the fanatic just fyi so if you if like you... a physical fight or like an in the newspapers kind of fight about his existence one, Jason Worth actually tackled the Fanatic recently, and two, the second one, yes. They're having a fight about the trademark, so you can go back to Lol Phillies in just a second. I think that was today. I think I, I think Jason Worth tackled the Fanatic today. 
Okay. And then they're having like an existential discussion unrelated to Jason Worth tackling him. I mean, you tell me if it's unrelated. I, I feel like Jason Worth was not cop- tackling the fanatic because of issues over trademark. <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe maybe it's a new legal tactic. He's very into organic farming. The man contains multitudes. You never know what kind of industry he's dipping his toes into next. He's a trademark warrior. <laughs> uh, but no, okay. I am going to say, we've had our moment, lol fillies. It's always lol philly season here with us, but there, there was something nice I was going to say, and this physically pains me. No, it doesn't. But So in a game, now I'm gonna, I've completely forgotten the day, but a game last week, they were in a 15-inning game, and they put in one of their starting pitchers in the outfield, and it was awesome. Vince Velasquez, I don't even know what inning it came in. I, they put him in left field, fielded, uh, made a diving catch, fielded a pop-up, and threw someone out at home. And I was like, why don't we put more players in the outfield? injury because we could break them i don't feel like we'd i mean okay i didn't mean like every okay i didn't mean like every single game put an extra pitcher out in the outfield but i mean i'm sure that well i'm sure this has happened before normally uh, we the reverse is what we see we see a position player pitching and we've been seeing that a lot but like you and the like the one other time i've seen recently a pitcher take a position it's been like first which to me doesn't make a whole lot of sense but the outfield does make sense yeah i mean i think when they do that weird switch to keep somebody in the game is it the rays that have been doing that occasionally where they actually put a reliever in the that outfield? is the rays yes i don't know i mean we already broke Rowanis elias on what day three by he's on the il he's on the 10 day il looks like it's not as bad as we thought though so that's good. I know, but it's not as bad as we like. I it's a hamstring think we strain. I thought it was a much yeah, worse. I mean, apparently he swung away on his own volition. Everybody told him not to. I would have if I were him. So I'm certainly not in anybody's. I'm not going to criticize, but yeah, I mean, I love hijinks as much as the next person, and I'm always going to encourage them. But yeah, I mean, this is literally why they don't happen all the time, because this can happen. Well, I, yeah, I mean, but then you might as well say, like, never put in a, a pitcher to pinch run or, like, never put in a position player to pitch. Like, I'm actually, I would be slightly more concerned about a position player trying to throw 95 and then, like, his shoulder just popping than a, a, a relief, uh, like, a relief pitcher or starting pitcher shagging fly balls. I mean, that's They true. do that, like, literally every day. You know what? Put Matt Grace in the outfield so he can disappoint me in a different way. <laughs> <laughs> Like, Matt Grace, if you're listening and you should not be, you can find new and interesting ways to disappoint me every day. And I tend to be very positive. And I I think Matt Grace seems nice. (laughs) I I have nothing else to say about Matt Grace. He did really well the other day. And then he really didn't do well again. Yeah. (laughs) It's just, that's how it is with him, unfortunately. But, yeah, it's amazing. We traded for three new relievers, and still, I feel like the number one person that I've seen in the last several days is Matt Gray. True. Yeah, like... Not that I want to look at Hunter Strickland's face. Let me make that clear. Oh, I... So my sister is a psychologist, and I kind of want to be like, how does one get over a grudge? And I mean this, asking for someone who's not me. (laughs) (laughs) Like, is holding on to your anger for three years... Healthy? Completely healthy. I feel like the answer is no. Um, He reassures us that he is not here to start fights with Bryce. And I'm like, I I don't believe you. (laughs) Also, I ain't mad at you for Bryce. I mean, yeah, at this point, I mostly, A, blame him for Mikey Morse. And B, just don't like having that kind of energy on our team, regardless of how anybody at this point feels about the person it was directed at. Yeah, and Jeff Smarjic can wear some of that for, for Michael Michael Moore. Oh, oh absolutely. I blame him for, I blame him much, 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 much more yeah. than Strickland, but still. I blame them both. They can both wear that one. I will yeah. carry this for the rest of my life. I think he should go apologize to Michael Moore on television. Um, 
and that's extra. And I think Michael Moore should not forgive him. I think Michael Moore should be allowed three free swings. <laughs> what? <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> no, fighting is not the answer, y'all. <laughs> I didn't say fighting. He could just swing him around three times. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Honestly, you know what pissed him off more? Hit three home runs off him. Yeah, you could take three swings of a bat. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, given the ratio, he'd be mad for nine years. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, he is he is the living embodiment of you mad. I agree. I don't like that kind of energy on the team. But, like, semi-violent relief pitchers has not worked out well for us. Right, that's the other thing. Like, I just want to grab my Rizzo by the shoulders and be like... Do you remember what happened last time? I, you know, it, I was watching something and FP was like, yeah, Jonathan Popplebun didn't seem sane. <laughs> like, he literally said that. He was like, those aren't the actions of a sane person. And I'm like, oh, when FP's like, I question your uh, relationship with reality, buddy boy. <laughs> like, FP, that's Frank a Paul. problem. This is coming from Frank Paul. This is yes. coming from Frank Frank Paul of uh, I guess I'm old school, but I uh, I feel like you should just be able to punch people. <laughs> like I don't know, yeah, no, I don't know. I'm I'm old school. I guess you would call me old school because I I believe that uh, punching has a place in the game. Was like, yeah, that's not the actions of a sane or rational human being. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> Meanwhile, oh wow, Daniel Hudson seems lovely. Is there anything wrong with him? Mariners fandom, can you tell us? So I think he was the one where I posted, is he cute, is he problematic, and does he have any pets? Um, and I actually is, is got our... an answer. I, I only know the answer to one of those. Is it pets? I hope it's pets. No, I just, I've seen a picture. Um, he is generic white man. But he's not, I mean, I wouldn't call him bad of face. I just wouldn't call him exciting of face. Which, which baseball mold did he come out of? Oh, the square jawed white guy factory. Oh, so the, the trout, the trout one. Oh yeah. He looks a little, no, he looks a little Brian Dozier okay. around the face. Honestly. I feel like that one's just got a little bit of cross contamination from the trout factory. It's like they were trying to go for something different. And then like, there was some cross pollination and like. Downwind. Yeah. <laughs> like they got some scores. if this were monsanto uh they'd be after you about like copyright infringement exactly. or something exactly okay um what's the second one that you know the answer to like look it's important does he have a dog <laughs> or a cat or a lizard i know i know i think he has a dog i can't find the response though i'm very upset is he problematic that we know of right now no okay well i mean we we won't know that until he does something that's problematic is the problem is he actively stupid at, that we know of right now? All right. Can I stall for time by telling you about uh, my husband's nicknames for the Atlanta team? He has learned one baseball player name. It is Dansby Swanson's. And he calls him Sir Dansby Chicken Caesar. <laughs> and I'm, I've never been prouder in, the, in my life. Like, honestly, I've never been prouder to know a person. <laughs> He does not know what position he plays. Uh, I said shortstop, and he said, where's the long stop? So. <laughs> One of these days you need to compile this stuff into, like, a book. I kind of want to advocate that for when, like, they play in a shift, like, there is a long stop. <laughs> yeah. Like, I feel like long stop was so stupid as to approach brilliance. <laughs> long stop is when the shortstop goes over and stands next to first base. Yeah. Long yeah. stop. <laughs> long stop. It, it describes a phenomenon. I might write about this. <laughs> like, in praise of the long stop. I was like, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I'm proud to know you. I think he has a dog. I think somebody told me he has a dog. I think let's just not worry about it. For the time being, until otherwise presented with evidence, I'm going to assume he has a giant fucking snake. Why, doesn't so why won't somebody get a lizard? Or a snake? Or a turtle? Also, why doesn't trade deadline scouting include this as pertinent information? Like, okay, average against lefties, yawn, has a dog. Important info. 
Or like a like, collection of guinea pigs, which I would actually find slightly creepy in an adult man. Yeah, that'd be weird. But that'd, that'd, I would like to collection. know. <laughs> How many guinea pigs is a collection of guinea pigs? I feel like at least three. Okay. Like, how many guinea pigs can you have before it's not a normal number of guinea pigs? One. I don't, I don't think any amount of guinea pigs is a normal amount of guinea pigs, personally. What if you're a first grade class? <laughs> oh, then you need, like, 20, because they're all going to die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I say that as somebody who has three cats, which I have concluded is the highest number of cats one can have before one has an abnormal number of cats. I can't wait to have way more than that. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, <laughs> too many cats, Kay. Oh, such thing. Too many cats. When I win the lottery, uh, I'm going to buy an island and fill it with all the cats. Like, honestly, MLB trade pet information would be invaluable. Like, should, I would like to know immediately about pets and if they're an asshole. We should start an alternate Twitter account that's just MLB pet. That There is one of those. When, that's, right, there's one that's literally called that, but... It, <laughs> And it's the beer. We need one that encompasses the idea pet stats or something like that. <laughs> Baseball yeah. pet stats. And anytime we learn about anybody who has an animal, it goes on. And therefore, we can people can use it when players get traded to be like, look, here's the cute little puppy dog. Here's the giant snake. We should get Baseball Perspectives to do a new database. I, I feel like this is just what I, what I ask uh, Ursula of fl Flipping Bats and Winning Games about. Like, she seems to be the most consistent source of information about who we has can, a dog. We can we can include her on this yeah. one. Like, she and I have been, you know, working really hard researching a handsomeness above replacement uh, stat. Oh, right. Um, she yelled at me because I used H-A-R to be hugs above replacement. And she was like, no, Laura, that's handsomeness. It's handsomeness above replacement. But I feel like pets above replacement is also an important what is the replacement for pets <laughs> zero pets what is the replacement level of pets zero pets zero pets <laughs> literally that's the replacement level that's when you're like i need a new pet i don't have a pet <laughs> but yeah like i feel like at the trade deadline when it's like this is oh look the nationals who needed a lefty reliever finally went and got one that wasn't named gat mace you know, like, uh, I wrote this in the season preview that they needed more lefty relievers. And Mike Rizzo's like, oh, finally got around le to reading that. The tab's been open for a while. Yeah, but isn't the lefty, like, terrible against lefties? He is. <laughs> he, sh he sure is, Laura. Mike Rizzo does not <laughs> understand this. He has like, never understood this. I, I know I've complained about it repeatedly, but do you all remember 2013 where we didn't have a single one when we started the season? Oh, yeah. No, I remember that. I remember like, hmm, I wonder how this gonna, is going to work out. And hint, it didn't. I think he's like allergic to them or like fundamentally, like his religion doesn't allow left-handed relievers. Like, <laughs> but like, what the hell? He's never going to learn this lesson. No, Never. he's not. And and we're all beating our heads against a wall because, like, Mike Rizzo is like, how many ref lefty relievers is enough? Zero? Negative? Negative. Definitely negative. Negative. But, I mean, like, there are... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we could get righties who are good against lefties. I feel like we need to start a whole development train training program in our mining leaf system just for righties who are abnormally good against lefties to make up for the fact that we never have lefties. We can call it the Tyler Clippert school or something. Yeah. Speaking of which you just, you, or something. Yeah. Okay. Like you're going to let that one go. Yeah. yeah. He's available. This we could have gotten him. I don't understand why we got Hunter Strickland when his stats are fine. And he's like, broken we have, too. there are plenty of other ex nationals with similar if not better stats who we could be like yoink yoink i'll have one of these i'm not naming names is it tyler clippard i'm not naming names <laughs> is it tyler clippard <laughs> there, but who was it didn't one of you guys actually retweet the the list yes. of like ten, yeah. <laughs> i would be pretty happy with almost anyone on that list coming back yeah, I mean, at the very least, Craig Stammen, because, again, handsomeness Whoa. above replacement. Yes. <laughs> like, he literally would be replacing Matt Grace. <laughs> no offense. You have very pretty eyelashes, Matt Grace. But, like, are bad. 
<laughs> and like, I'm not normally angry, but I'm I'm running a fever, so I think I'm a little angry at him. <laughs> I was also really hoping for Tanner Roark, but I knew that it wasn't going to happen. Yeah, yeah, glad we got we rid of him though. Open. Yep. I mean, Tanner Rainey doing... Rainey seems fine. He, Does he? he seems fine. We broke him, I, but like there I, there was nothing <laughs> fundamentally wrong with him other than yeah, I, getting broken I, easily. I know. Yeah, we broke him though. Yeah. That happened. Well, we break a lot of people. I mean, not we're not the Mets, but we're edging dangerously cool. close to the Mets. Until somebody in this clubhouse gets the measles, we're not the Wait, Mets. What? Who got the measles? Nobody got okay. the measles. It's just, I'm thinking childhood exanthems because they had hand, foot, mouth. Ah, yeah. Okay. Um, the measles is back in Maryland. But like, if, if the Mets are a wood chipper and all of the fandom and the players are Steve Buscemi going into it, the Nationals are at least like a lawnmower that's running over your foot constantly. <laughs> Everything about this metaphor is yeah, awful. No, you know, it's a lot like Fargo. <laughs> like for a little bit of money, we could have had a decent reliever. Like I feel like Francis McDormand mm-hmm. in that scene. All this for a little bit of money. But, like, I know she's against a little bit of money in that scene, but, like, for a little bit of yeah. money, for a little bit of money, we could still have Dusty Baker. <laughs> you know, I think I heard, I can't verify this amount because I did not personally look this up. I was told that at the trade deadline, Mike Rizzo was allowed, like, $3 million to fix the bullpen, which is shockingly low, and I don't even want to get into that. But for $3 million, could we have gone to the trade deadline and gotten Dusty Baker, possibly? That would have been a blockbuster mm. trade. <laughs> like, sorry, sorry, Darren, you have a new father. It's TV Martinez. <laughs> <laughs> We've traded him. <laughs> it's like, oh, I don't, I don't want this. We're like, yeah, same. <laughs> He's gotten better. He's... He's- only mildly I actually I have to say and maybe it's just like the euphoria of not sucking the way we did at the beginning of the season and the fact that everyone is wearing colored sunglasses and having fun but like I feel like after a season and a half Martinez finally started to learn mm-hmm. from his mistakes like I didn't I once we hit like May I kind of said okay he's just not going to learn but like and then like June happened and I'm like maybe yeah he's slowly learning I do feel it turned out that some of it was the pitching yeah. coach. Oh, for sure. Like, that he selected, so, like, he ain't off the hook. Um, but, like, that that definitely helped, um, you know, given being given a few, more, a few more pieces. Like, Fernando Rodney could do literally nothing for the rest of the season, and I would be delighted by him. Um, just because, like, I am delighted by any 42-year-old playing professional sports. Um but like given a few more pieces and Matt Grace to work with, you know, he's he seems to be doing better. He seems to be making better decisions. Like I get it, we were watching him learn in real time. We could have had Dusty Baker, who we wouldn't have had to watch learn how to do his job in real time, is the infuriating thing. Or we could have gotten Martinez as the bench coach and like had him train under Dusty and then have handed it off graciously and with a minimum of just fucking shenanigans. It it was it was some stupid shenanigans. I would agree. I think we're all on the yeah. same page about this. Well, no, it's just it's like if I say one thing, I'm going to be here for two hours, and I don't think anybody wants that. I know. Why don't we talk <laughs> like about Gerardo some Parra nice things oh, yeah. not being good at oh, pitching, yeah. but uh, being good at wanting to pitch? <laughs> oh. My God. <laughs> or, didn't Dozier hit 92? Uh, no, he was not. Or at least not that I saw. I was seeing like seven, 60, 70 miles an hour. I didn't watch his entire outing, though. So I fell asleep in the 7th, and I woke up in the 9th. <laughs> you, really... you blacked out? You blacked out <laughs> for the 8th inning? Cause you shut I was up. really confused. <laughs> up is down, left is right. Gerardo Farah is a pitcher now. I was so lost. It was uh, so I technically missed everything. The the general attitude I missed Para entirely because I I saw Para is I think it was I think it was Jen tweeted Para is pitching and I was like ah and like ran back in the house and then of course it was Dozier but I it was a point where it was like okay Dozier said to himself none of this matters so I'm just gonna have fun 
And like he was laughing after every single pitch. And I was like, I kind of like you, Brian Dozier. <laughs> yeah, he seems I saw like a, a good time. Of him. Yeah. Like, he seems like he would be legitimately fun to hang out with. Yeah. But it seemed like, and I'm assuming the same thing was going on with Parra, where he's just like, you know, honestly, everything about this situation is ridiculous. So let's just enjoy. Yeah. And I mean, we already knew Parra was ridiculously fun. Yeah. So. He did the daddy shark chomp whilst going through the dance line after hitting a two-run homer during this game. Are we... Okay, (laughs) I have to ask a question, and I will accept consensus on this. Are we actually going forward with calling Para daddy shark? Because I have... No, 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 like, in the song, you make different hand motions. For the different... actually? For the different shark. Yeah. Yeah, so baby shark is, like, just your fingers, because he's little... And then Mama Shark is just your hands, and then Daddy Shark is your arms from the shoulder. Yeah, it's, it's because stupid in gender. Sharks. Yeah, well, and there's actually, like, very little sexual dimorphism in sharks that I'm aware yeah. of. Yeah. So it's fairly inaccurate, but that's that's what we did at summer camp. This song has been mm-hmm. around for a very long time. I. Um, it was not new when I was four, and it's, it, you know. It's that old? Oh, yeah. We did this at, like, the day camp I went to when I was pre-elementary school and got, like, kicked out for throwing handfuls of grass at people. I... Okay. My reality (laughs) just shifted dramatically. I literally thought that this was, like, a phenomenon of, like, the past year. It is. The first time I had ever heard of it was in the past year. And I went from having never heard it, hearing it, hating it, and hating myself, and then three days later being in love with it because of Farah. Like that it was my timeline. Cultural, it becoming a cultural phenomenon is recent. Okay, I just assumed but, that meant it was a new song. No, no. Oh so my god! Twenty years ago, plus, it was a well-established camp song in Massachusetts, and I don't know how long it had been around before that. Oh boy! Oh boy! You okay? Yeah, I mean, it was like it was like that, and like the moose that likes to drink a lot of juice, and like it was one of those. That's the silence of no. people who have no idea what you're talking about. And I was. No. A... Did you people go to summer camp? Yeah, no, I was a like... camp counselor for a long time. You're Jewish. How do you not know this song? Well, I don't know. Moose aren't really inherent to the religion, Laura. <laughs> 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 also, I went to labor Zionist camp because my parents didn't <laughs> bother investigating and thought it had religious services. But I learned a lot of communist songs. So, like, okay, cool, sing me one, why. oh, red fly the banner high. I can sing. I mean, <laughs> maybe the moose was not communist enough for your summer camp. I'm sorry. I, I like, mean, I don't know. Was he taking water that would like deserve, belong to the community? <laughs> <laughs> no, he just liked to drink juice. Whatever. There were hand emotions too. Was my point. Like all of these were. It was like the the shark one and the moose one and the princess Pat all had hand motions that like vaguely resembled what the song was about or not at all in some cases. Um, and there's still, I mean, my mom runs a Jewish day camp and there's still some of them. Like I probably now baby shark, if it wasn't used there before, I'm sure it is now, but the moose one was definitely still there. When I was a counselor, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Uh, um, but yeah, no, Baby Shark has been around for a pretty long time. Yeah, right? and I want to be clear, when I said Para did the Daddy Shark, I meant he used his arms and not I'm calling her out or Para Daddy in something that is recorded. Okay, well, I knew you <laughs> weren't, but a lot of people have been putting these things yeah, I, together, and I I've was done like, it on Twitter, and it's funny. <laughs> oh, boy, I just yeah, I feel I mean, like I'm, I just had an education. <laughs> I'm calling him Para Shark, if I'm yeah. calling him anything. Yeah. I've been calling Para Shark, but I mean, it, no, I'm not going to finish my thought. Never mind. Nope, finish it, finish it, finish it. <laughs> if we're calling anybody Daddy Shark, it's obviously Roger Bernardina. <laughs> well, yeah. Like, so I was, yeah, okay. Oh, can I'm going to share one more thing just yeah. to get us all really. Apparently, the Nats are calling Dozier Daddy Doge. Oh, God. I didn't want that information, and now I'm sharing it with you. <laughs> he knows one dance. And it's grinding. And it's grinding. Like, he knows one dance. Every time they cut to him dancing, it's the same one. And I'm like, oh, buddy. To to be fair, it is one more than uh, either Max Scherzer or Steven Strasberg knows. I mean, Steven Strasberg dancing was amazing. I think that was maybe my favorite thing that's happened this season. It was was 
completely amazing and i am happy to in the spirit of things call it dancing but it wasn't dancing i I, I don't know you hit a three-run home run as a pitcher whatever motions you do with your body are dancing yeah i mean in strasburg like the bar for what constitutes dancing with him is low like a lot of them dance and i'm trying to say this in a nice way like the fathers of young children Well, yeah. many of them are the fathers of young yeah, children. Yeah, like, like, they've danced like they learned to dance through dancing to kids' music. Or that they watch their... Like, maybe sure. Or they watch their toddler wiggle back and forth and like, oh, is that... Let me take uh, some notes on this one. Yes. <laughs> and then Dozier's like, yeah, no, I, I do more of like a baby-making dance. And you're like, could you not? That's not the side used for baby-making <laughs> No, he, he so does like a nobody... hip swivel thing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Jesus, how did we get... It's been a while since we've had a little bit of after dark resting pitch phase in the middle of the afternoon. Uh... Um, so I, I, as we've been doing this, I've been going down a long rabbit hole of trying to find out where Baby Shark originally came from. And apparently nobody knows who originally wrote it. But... It did exist at church camp in the 90s. So apparently this crossed genres of summer camp because it definitely existed at Jewish camp. But apparently there was also like a version of it that included praising Jesus. Jesus shark? What? <laughs> well, okay. So I'm Is guessing. Daniel, we're going to take him to prom? <laughs> so so yeah, I don't know how. Bizarre. I've never actually watched any of the videos of the current version. But the version that we sang at summer camp involved a lady getting killed by a shark. Oh, does Jesus bring her back? <laughs> apparently, apparently in the church camp version, she, like, goes to see Jesus. Oh. Huh. Um, in our version, she just gets eaten by a shark. There was no... The, the, the Jewish camp version had no actual Judaism in it. She just got eaten by a shark. <laughs> do they do any of this at the ballpark with the, with the lady getting no. killed by a no. shark? No. And they... the version... Go ahead. They just go through the family. Like, it gets into, like, very extended family. But, like... <laughs> yeah, there's, like, Grandma Shark and Grandpa Shark and, like... Grandpa Shark was funny because it's, like, you, you like, bend your fingers and it's supposed to look like he doesn't have any teeth. <laughs> I, like, I, they haven't gotten to, like, Auntie Shark or Uncle Shark or, like, Second Cousin Shark or anything like that. But, you know, if it goes on long enough, they might. Well... If it goes long, long enough, they really should get to the lady swimming and the shark attack and the lady basically bleeding to death in the water. Because that's how that song really ends. Now I think I might need to re-listen to the metal version because your story <laughs> makes the metal version make much more sense. There's a metal ver- Of course there's a metal version. <laughs> there's an everything there's a, version of it there's now, apparently. A, yeah, I, I listened to about three seconds of it and I was like, I feel like I'm going to die because my brain is dying. Anyway. <laughs> 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 anyway, uh, I'm glad huh. Steven Strasberg, who had a bad day yesterday, but has otherwise had a great month. Uh, or, yeah, a great last last month of baseball play. I'm glad he got to dance. He and did not want to dance, but I'm glad he, won- he got to dance. And he got pitcher of the month? He did. He had until, well, no, I mean, obviously July is over. He had more... Uh, ribbies than he had runs allowed yes he had an amazing july and i'm very glad that last night's game happened in august so that we can still say he had an amazing july and i'm looking forward uh, i hope he is in the consideration for silver slugger again because i don't think anybody else is really uh holding keeping up their end on that one well zach granke is in the is in the al now yeah and he really was the competition yeah so he apparently once told Koufax to his face that he could have gotten hits off of him. Who? Zach Greinke did? I mean, maybe, maybe Sandy Koufax now. <laughs> maybe. No, like, <laughs> no, like he literally told him that he could have like gotten hits off of Koufax's pitching back in the day. He said that to Koufax's face. This was a thing that Zach Greinke said to Sandy Koufax. Wow. Well, as somebody who would also push a cat in a stroller like Zach Greinke has, I feel like we have less in common now. You don't think you could hit Sandy Koufax in me? No, I don't. I think I would shame my whole religion. <laughs> Even, like, suggesting that. Well, there's really only one thing left to say in our endless refrain of the season. Pay Tony. 
Pay Tony. Also, Juan Soto now has more home runs before age 21 than Bryce Harper. (laughs) (laughs) Nelson laugh. (laughs) Ha ha. Uh, And the Nats graphic for that listed the first three and did not include Harper in the graphic as number four. And I'm like, I can't tell if that's um, an insult or restraint. And I love I love that I can't tell. Um, you know, I've been trying to get his pay Tony chant going at the park to no success. I think I'm going to have to make a sign or something. Make a sign. It doesn't it doesn't flow well as a chant. Well, we were going to we were testing out pay him money, sign Tony. Um, I don't know. We had like another one we were trying out, but it was like not catching. Yeah. Do a sign. I yeah. support that. I will say I'm very happy earlier in the season. I was like, oh, Tony is going to be gone before the trade deadline. But because the team did better, we at least get to see him for the rest. Yes. I am. I am looking for small. I'm very glad you were wrong about that. Yeah, me too. I am. I am very, very (laughs) glad that I was wrong. (laughs) Um, Um, But unfortunately, I feel like other people have noticed that Tony is good at baseball. And I think we've. Yeah, (laughs) go ahead. And I feel like this is going to be a hard free agency. I, we've been asking people to pay attention to him for like five years. Why now? Now is the time to look away. Yeah, this is like definitely like getting monkeys, monkeys pod. Go, go look at Lolan Arenado. Did you call him Lolan Arenado? (laughs) I was speaking French. Yeah, no, look at look, Nolan. Ar- well, okay, I posted this on Twitter, but like when Tony decided to rub against Nolan Arenado during a game, and I'm like, <laughs> it's chicken pox. It's a chicken pox party for contract extensions. Yeah. Um, but I was like, yes. why are you doing that? Are you itchy? Like, what is happening right now? <laughs> the bonding. <laughs> That's how new. That's how new their basements are made. Yeah, sorry, sorry to your dance, Brian Dozier. That's actually how it works. Uh. Yeah, like no, it's third, third basement. We're having, yeah. we're having fun with language today. Uh, I think on that note, it's probably time for us to say goodbye. All right. Please, please let me leave. I need can, to. Can we, we talk about our misery? Can we talk about queer fancy stats for a minute? We can always talk about queer fancy stats. Uh, so the July total was sixty-five dollars and twenty-nine cents, and as of August, we were already at a dollar ninety-one and climbing. Did you want to talk about the Smile fundraiser? Sean Doolittle and Aaron Dolan will be there. Uh, it is a fundraiser for Smile, an organization near and dear to our hearts. Uh, come, you know, I think tickets are 50 bucks each. Come hang out with Sean and Aaron. Give to a good cause. We will be there and we will bring stickers. The stickers we will be bringing also are of our uh, Prideified logo, which is available on our new Teespring shop, which uh, a quarter of all the proceeds of those do also go to Smile. So it's just like a big Smile family at the moment. Um, and I have been migrating some of the other stuff to our Teespring shop. So we now have merchandise, including, and I think, I don't know, maybe I'm the only one that finds this funny. I did make kids merch with because I feel like if you're going to something, it should probably be a child. And we also have some heart hustle hit by pitch, a couple, couple shirts and things like that. So more stuff is getting in it all the time. So even if you've looked before, you should check again. Um, that's like the opposite of when I bought my friend a uh, Mets Tim Tebow baby onesie. <laughs> yeah, you like 100% curse that child now. <laughs> I was like, I feel bad about this, but not so bad that I'm not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but links to that store and our Zazzle store um, are available on our website, wrestlingpitchface.com. Uh, if you want to talk directly to us, our Twitter is resting pitch face with no G. You can also email us if you've got something longer than a tweet uh, at restingpitchface at gmail.com. Um, oh, you can follow us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. They keep changing. The- Everybody keeps changing the names of things on me. I'm grumpy and old. 
Um, and Google Play also does podcasts. So if you want to subscribe there, please feel free. Please drop us a review if you ever have a chance. And uh, I feel like we have some more social media, but I don't remember what it is. So <laughs> with that, I'm Kay. I'm Laura. I'm Sydney. Let's go Nats. Let's go Nats. Let's go Nats. Please come back, Tyler. It's just not the same since you went away. We really miss your eyewear. And the way you confused that is at the plate. There's a C for you right next to True, and we need you to pitch the A. Besides, there's no other team uses chocolate sauce to celebrate.